Next on BYU Sports Nation, you win some, you lose some. The extremes of great wins and tough losses for BYU hoops this year. Spring football begins on Monday. What are we least worried about as it approaches? And John Beck finds his guy, and it's Zach Wilson. Is he concerned about his shoulder injury? It's time for sports. This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard. Welcome, BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It's great to have you. It's Tuesday, February 26th. I am Jerem Jordan. Spencer Linton is buying a $12 churro at Disneyland right now. Delicious. Which is totally worth it. So I'm teamed up with part-time Utah resident Jason Shepard. Part-time Utah resident. I am leaving again tomorrow. Yeah. You've been out of the state, I guess, thrice in three weeks? Yeah. uh, Arizona two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Last week to Texas. Yep. Going back to Texas tomorrow with BYU baseball. Three against Lamar. Yeah, the Lamar Cardinals. Lamar Cardinals in Beaumont, Texas. We fly out tomorrow. Now, we were discussing this yesterday with uh, Greg Rubel. Uh, Keena Young, a native of Beaumont. We believe uh, yeah. we believe that is the case. Yeah, the former uh, West, uh, Mountain West Conference Player of the Year back in the day. Loaded show today. Here's what we've got. Former Cougar signal caller John Beck, shuffling, 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 discusses his interactions past and future with current quarterback Zach Wilson in 15 minutes. Is he worried about his shoulder injury? Is he worried? The MPSF champion men's track team is fast, but are they fast enough to accomplish a list of random tasks as given by Lauren McLean? Uh, she puts them to the test in between the lines in 30. And she's the fastest woman on campus in the water, perhaps BYU's aqua woman. And that is Gwen Gustafson. But is that even her greatest accomplishment? We'll discuss with her in 40. But first, today's headlines. BYU Men's Hoops is a five-seed in the NIT, according to DRating.com. San Francisco and St. Mary's are both projected one-seeds. BYU ends the regular season this Saturday, 9 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio against San Diego, pregame at 8 Eastern time. For the second week in a row, BYU softball's Riley Jensen earned the WCC Player of the Week. Karma? In five, in certainly in five games, Jensen hit 352 with a home run and two RBI. Cougars next play San Diego State in the San Diego Classic this Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Women's golf is in fifth place after two rounds at the Gold Rush Tournament in Seal Beach, California. Sophomore Naomi Soifua is tied for fifth. The Cougars tee off today, three Eastern time. BYU men's track and field moved up a spot to 17th after an overall first place finish in the 2019 MPSF Championships on Saturday. The women's team fell five spots to 21st despite a BYU record-breaking run from Erica Burke-Jarvis and career best from Lauren Ellsworth-Barnes and Anna Camp in the 800. Let's get it. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. 30 games down, one to go for men's hoops. Vegas and the West Coast Conference Tournament are around the corner. Can you believe it? It's about that time we assess how the season has gone. I wish it was to evaluate BYU's NCAA tournament chances. It is not. Jason, what's the best win and the worst loss of the BYU men's basketball season? I'm going to start out with the best win. For me, it was the home win over St. Mary's. And not just because it was St. Mary's, but you have to remember the situation that BYU is in. The game before was the game where they lost at San Francisco, 82-63. And you knew after St. Mary's, you had Gonzaga coming in. So you knew that one was going to be a tough one. 
And remember, at that, at that point, that was for second place in the conference. So beating St. Mary's at home, 71-66 was the final score. That was, in my opinion, BYU's best win of the season. In terms of the worst, my initial reaction was to go to Weber State. It's, like out of high school, you wanted to go to Weber State? No, oh. but by, in terms of the game, BYU scored over 100 points and still lost. Weber State is not what you would call, I don't know, a great team. And so losing that game. Como se dice great team? So that's just, that's just one of those head-scratching losses. But that's not where I ultimately fell. I ultimately fell on the loss to San Francisco a couple of days ago. Yeah. Because not just yeah. losing the game, but the situation mm-hmm. where you had the lead mm-hmm. and then they came back on the long run. And then what it, the situation that it put BYU in. Yeah. Heading into the tournament in terms of seeding. So best win for me, home versus St. Mary's. Worst loss, loss at home to San Francisco. Typically, we would say the worst loss is, you know, at Pepperdine, they were 200 or something. Why'd BYU lose that game? BYU hasn't had that in conference play. In non-conference play, BYU had several of those. Had three quad four, uh, quad threes, excuse me, in uh, Illinois State and Weber State. And I'm blanking on the third one. The San Francisco one, you're exactly right. That is uh, the worst loss because of what it cost BYU. It cost BYU a legit shot at the two seed. Now, there's still a shot, as we've outlined uh, yesterday, but it's going to be tough. You're asking for San Francisco to lose a couple and St. Mary's probably to lose a couple. So there's like nine scenarios that are going to play out. We won't explain them all. I'm with you on the worst loss. The best win is an interesting one. Um, St. Mary's, I'm with you. Yeah, 39 in net, the rival, the payback after losing big in Moraga. I would argue that Utah State's right there as well. Uh, Utah State is BYU's highest win in net rankings at 37. St. Mary's is at 39. Utah State is much, much better than I think we give them credit for, which is a very BYU thing, right, Uh, to not give credit to the perceived little brother. But Utah State's playing good basketball this season. Uh, 22-6, and they're really good. Uh, I don't know that they're a bubble team. Perhaps they're on the bubble. But, uh, yeah, a couple nice wins. BYU needed a few more, though, to put themselves in the NCAA tournament conversation. In the latest Joe Lenardi brackets released this morning, and I know this will be a surprise to everybody tuning in, Gonzaga is a number one seed. Mm-hmm. Well, so, they're, they're the number one team in the country. So uh, yeah. yeah. St. Mary's is the second team out, by the way, and San Francisco is the fifth team out. Most people believe the WCC is a better league. We've talked about that. One thinks top to bottom the league is better. Is the WCC actually better if they don't get two teams in to the uh, w- to the NCAA tournament? I don't know about top to bottom. The bottom always stinks. I wouldn't say the bottom's better. Um, they they always stink. I, I would I see two sides of this argument, but I'm going to say no because the point of being better is to get into the NCAA tournament. If BYU fielded a, a, or if the league fields more NIT teams, who cares? Who cares? It's the NIT like the. We don't have the best interests of the league in mind, but let's look at it for a second, right? The league uh, gets more money if you get more teams in, in there. You want to be top-heavy, but not too top-heavy with one team. You want two or three bids in there. Now, if you look at the Ken Palm rating, this can give you an indication of where they rank. The league is ranked eighth right now. That would tie the best finish since so two, and that's as far back as Ken Palm goes. So Ken Palm is saying the league is better. That is up from 12, 11, and 14 the last three years. It was celebrated after non-conference how much better the league was. That's because they played 20 more league games and won more. 
But that doesn't take into account strength of schedule. So that's where maybe Ken Palm can shed some light on this. But if you don't get more teams into the NCAA tournament, I'm not sure that it matters even if you are better. Look, this my answer kind of goes to something that I I think I've used in the past. Yes, you can still be better without having more teams than last season getting into the NCAA tournament. The league can be better without the bid. Because from top to bottom, you have teams that are playing better. There's different ways to gauge it. It's like it's six and six. But does it matter if you don't go to the dance? No, but but like you get. But more if there's teams only the one definition of success or one definition of better, you're 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 forgetting all the other ways that you can look to find improvement. Sure, so six and six in sure. football is not a great season. But if you had won three games before. You don't think what that you're better at and six? Then seven. Okay, but that's my point. Like, it's not great overall, right. but, but it's better. But what's the point of the season? The point of the season the certainly the is to tournament. get to the NCAA so tournament. So if you only have Gonzaga, but, which they're going to make the tourney for the rest of, uh, until the rapture, right? <laughs> and Mar- A.K. Mark Few is still there. Doesn't matter. Look, getting to the tournament is a tangible sign of improvement. There's no question about it, but it isn't the only one. More wins from top to bottom in the league is one way. Improved ratings in the net, and I understand it's new. Improved Ken Palm rankings. Those are all other ways to show that the league is better. It can't just be one thing and anything short of that, because if that's the case, then anybody that doesn't win a national championship in any sport, no, you couldn't, no, no, you, no, no, you no, weren't no. successful. No, I disagree. D- just does it because matter? Because if there's only one, if there's only one goal that can be success, then anything short of that, then the real was, question we was, should ask is, point? does it matter? If the league is better, but they don't feel more, does it matter? And I would argue not really to those teams. Yes. To the nation. No, they don't care. They don't go, wow, San Diego won four more games. Like, who cares? But, you know but, they, cares? but the, the question is, who's better? That shows yeah. that is it they be- were sure. better. Sure. But that's, does, that's the question. Right. You can be better. But does it matter? But does it matter? Therefore, what? As Boyd K. Packer used to say. <laughs> BYU football spring practice begins next Monday. Cannot wait. It's football. It's spring. I still love it. No Zach Wilson throwing, but dual sport athlete Jaron Hall will get a bunch of reps, and it would appear uh, that so would Joe Critchlow. Jason, what has you least worried about BYU football as spring practice approaches? Uh, I'm going to say the offensive scheme. Look, we've now had a Jeff Grimes-led offense for a full season. We had two versions of it, too. Indeed. That's, that's one of the things I wanted to get to. And we, we saw what it looked like over the final seven games with a quarterback that will be running it for the next few years in Zach Wilson. Year two, with the majority of the offensive players back, quite frankly, should allow spring and fall when we get to it to be more about execution as opposed to implementation of a scheme. So for me, it's the offensive scheme. I I like what I saw. I like the direction that I saw. I like the players that will be running said offense. And and I liked I liked the play calling. I liked what I saw overall. So yeah, that's what I'm probably least worried or least concerned about right now. I don't know that BYU is going to have the same offense that they finished with because that was a mid-season adjustment with very little preparation. I'm not sure that BYU went into the season going, okay, if Tanner Megum's not very good, what are we going to do? 
That'd be kind of weird if they had had that plan in Don't place. Don't you think, though, by seven games, though, you, you're starting to go the direction that you ultimately want to go? They changed the offense quite a bit. Like, Zach Wilson was not under center a lot. He was not having to make uh, jet sweep checks at the line and, and those assessments. It was, it was different. So I, I'm wondering what kind of offense BYU's run, runs. It won't be a ton different, I would imagine, but uh, perhaps more advanced stuff with Zach now as a sophomore, now with an offseason, right? My answer to this is the offensive line. Four of the five starters are returning. New O-line coach Eric Mateos is a variable there. We'll see what kind of impact he can make. But you kind of know what you have coming back, which is great. Brady Christensen at left tackle. James Empey at center. Tristan Hodge uh, at one of those guard spots. Keanu Saliapaga and Thomas Schof and Kiefer Longson got some run, not to mention other guys who are waiting in the wings. Um, there's more unknown than known on, on a lot of other positions, in my opinion. Um, who else is going to run the ball? Besides Lopini Katoa, I like Tyler Algier. I think he'll be an emerging player. But who else? I know BYU's trying to bring in more uh, running backs still uh, for the upcoming season. Will the wide receivers make a jump in production? Will we see somebody emerge as a 700-yard guy? No concerns, by the way, at the tight end. That'd be my second answer. Matt Bushman, Ronai Lalu-Pututau, Hank Tui-Pelotu. I like that group, even with Dallin Hulker going on a mission. Don't you think there are far more knowns than unknowns? No, I feel like there are more unknowns. Really? In, yeah. in what way? Uh, front seven, so linebackers. You lose, you lose uh, Sione Takitaki, who's kind of your main guy there. Corbin Kafusi, who's your main sack guy? Yeah, I, but Can I, the cornerbacks, uh, instead of fill that spot, become more ball hawk-ish? Um, can we see Troy Warner be more Troy Warner? It was kind of quiet. Uh, running back, wide receiver. Yeah, I have... I have more questions than I do answers right now. I, uh, yeah. Right now, I, I feel more comfortable with the knowns than I do with the unknowns right now. Yeah. I, I, well, when you go seven and six, I think there's, you need more answers than you do. Oh, I, I agree yeah. with that. You yeah. certainly need to improve on seven wins. But. And luckily, uh, BYU has a certain amount of days until a certain football game. Mm-hmm. Countdown to the youths. 184. 184. Just put a nine in there. 1984. Yeah. Question of the day. What are you least worried about as BYU football spring ball approaches? Let's get to the voice of the nation. This is the voice of the nation on BYU Sports Nation. Hiram Flake on the Facebook, the tight ends group. They showed last year just how big of a difference maker they could be. It was kind of the first five games of MLP, and then it was the last kind of eight games of Matt Bushman. So just think those two guys together, what they could do. Absolutely. Uh John William uh, Rummel, Rummel, I apologize, from Instagram. Least to worry about Zach Wilson. Very talented, even though he still will hit some sophomore slumps. I think he could uh, be a a top 30 quarterback this year. Top 30 would be be good. That'd be top 25%, if you will. It's one of the best freshman quarterbacks out there. Perhaps even higher than that. Yeah, absolutely. Continue to weigh in on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Coming up, what will John Beck be working on with Zach Wilson this upcoming summer? Is he concerned about Zach Wilson's shoulder injury? We'll discuss it with the former Cougar great and one of Zach's off-season QB coaches. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. 
Tonight, you can watch and or listen to BYU Basketball with Dave Rose on BYU TV and BYU Radio as Coach Rose, Senior McKay Cannon, and Cheryl Rose join Greg Rubel to discuss Cougar basketball. Reserve your seat for the show in Studio C right now. You can go to BYUcougars.com slash Rose Show. That is tonight, 8 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. The penultimate episode. Indeed. Yeah, next week is our uh, season finale. Welcome back. This is BYU Sports Nation. I'm Jerem. He's Jason. We're on demand as well. If you missed the show live, there's a podcast uh, for the audio, and there's BYUSN.com for the video. Our next guest is the third all-time leading passer in BYU history. His name is John Beck. He is a regular on the program, and he joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. John, great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me back on, guys. There's a lot to discuss in the offseason of BYU football, but let's first address this. Zach Wilson in the bowl game, the Potato Bowl against Western Michigan, goes 18 for 18. What did you think of Wilson's performance to end the season on that note? Just super impressive, uh, you know, to be that efficient uh, really at, at any year, right? Junior, senior, you name it. But he goes out and does it in his freshman year in his first ever bowl game. It was just a really impressive performance, and I know it gave BYU fans a lot to be excited about going forward. What's the closest you've ever come to a performance like that in terms of uh, completions? Oh, geez, like high school. I think one time I had like a game where I probably threw only like 10 or 11 passes, and I think my team completed all of them, but <laughs> I, like high school ball, right? Uh, I mean, I don't think I had any type of like, you know, four or five or something like that. Uh, I mean, really like, even just to go out in a practice or a seven-on-seven seven or anything like that, when you're completing every single ball, you know, that's just really efficient on your part. It's really also efficient on the guys around you. That's the other thing. I mean, there's games that a quarterback can go out there and complete a ton of balls, and there's some incompletions that, hey, it's because the wideout and quarterback were on the same page or there's different things. So for the whole unit, guys catching the ball, person throwing the ball, everybody to be on that type of, chemistry level that's also just uh you know it doesn't happen very often i think that's why you go look at record books there's not that many people in college football that complete every single pass they throw in a game so super impressive it's like a no-hitter you've got to have that center field catch that you know is off the wall you know near the wall a lot of hefo right. and dylan collie had some great catches so that was fun to see we've chronicled right. it a little bit but let's address it with you you've worked with zach before byu and you will continue to work out with him uh he told us on signing day so uh with the shoulder injury i guess what what's the plan with him after the semester in his workouts well zach has a plan in place for rehab um, and it doesn't need to be pushed because he has time. And then once, once the rehab gets into a place where he can come back out and we can get back training, I know that that's the first thing he wants to do. We've spoken on the phone. So, you know, like I said, there's a plan in place for his rehab and there's a plan in place for when he's going to be able to come back out here. And, you know, he's the type of kid you never have to worry about. Is he going to be doing everything that he can do to get better? That's just the way he functions. So I know that he's probably chomping at the bit to be able to start the work with me. But before we can get back to that, he's got to take the proper steps to build a great foundation for his arm so that this whole process that was done, the decision that was made to do the surgery, all those reasons play out the way it's supposed to. He did this this procedure as a precautionary thing so that he no longer has to deal with this going forward. He took care of it now, and then that can really be out of his mind going forward. 
You know, there, we've heard that there's a chance that his arm may actually be stronger after this, and he might be able to throw a harder ball. Is, is, that, is that legitimate? Is everybody hoping that it's like rookie of the year, Rosenbagger, or whatever his name is? <laughs> I mean, look, there's no way to say he's going to, you know, it's going to be stronger, this and that. I mean, I think with the work that he's going to do, a lot of the times in that rehabilitation process, you work on the fine-tuning things that can make your arm more balanced, more structurally sound and fit. And with that, yeah, there's potentially some things where we can say, yeah, it's going to come back better. Um, I was alarmed when I found out the type of feelings that he was dealing with after throwing in games, especially the bowl game. And really what happened was is since his junior year in high school, he just kind of conditioned himself to deal with those feelings, not knowing that those feelings were stemming from something that needed to be fixed. So, you know, from a performance standpoint, I don't think it was necessarily limiting what he could do performance-wise. It was more post-performance, what he was dealing with afterwards, that, that needed to be fixed. So that's what this is about. So I think if we use strong, it's not like he's going to add, you know, eight yards to his deep ball. It's more going to be what he's going to be able to feel post-throwing and how that's going to be able to affect then his training days going forward. He's not going to have these lingering things. So he's been playing with pain for the past two years? Is that what you're telling us? No, 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 no. Not, not playing with pain. More like residual post-performance, some of the things that he had to deal with. Like, it's not uncommon for, okay, all throwers, all throwers have these little micro tears because of just years and years and years of throwing. If you get into MRIs, it's not uncommon for throwers at the collegiate and professional level. They can go in and they can find little things in everybody. But what was happening is there was some little things that became a little bit bigger without him knowing. So like I said, this wasn't an injury like, you know, people hear shoulder surgery and the first thing that jumps into their mind is Drew Brees. Oh, he couldn't throw a football. This was not, it's not the same type of thing. Um, He was able to throw just fine. It was essentially afterwards what was lingering as a result. That, That really was the only thing. So that's why, you know, he made the decision, let's take care of it now so that I don't have to have this lingering going forward. That was kind of the main thing. So pre- a lot of it was precautionary. Yeah, so preventative of perhaps a larger injury in the future, is that what you're saying as well? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I kind of like, I don't even know what Zach has put out there, right? So I got to be careful. Like, I may have just, maybe Zach was not wanting that to be said. I really don't know what Zach put out. Um, when this whole process went down, You know, nobody knew about it. Uh, I was, you know, in communication with them, trying to help them the best that I could, put them in touch with the best doctors that I could and communicate back and forth and put them in the, you know, just like like I said, having them speak to the best people I knew. So I'm really unclear of what Zach has put out to any media people in Provo. Yeah, I I think you're within the realm of what he has said, which is this was, you know, a minor thing, somewhat prevented. So so that's good. He wasn't playing with pain. But um, it's it's good to hear that uh, he's going to be the guy because he has three more years, three more years to be the guy at BYU, which is exciting. Well, and and John, I mean, this with him not being able to throw during spring ball and spring ball starts on Monday, that would certainly lead to some opportunities in terms of reps and being able to get a lot of reps from guys like Jaron Hall and, and other quarterbacks at the quarterback position, I, I would assume if you're in their position, you're looking forward to this spring because you know you're going to get the ball in your hands a lot. 
Yeah, I think for all those guys, I mean, a lot of them are young guys that are going to get an opportunity that they wouldn't have if Zach was back there. I, I know from Zach's perspective, he's saying, I wanted these reps because I know there was a little bit of, like, in the season, they kind of ran an offense a certain way with Tanner because of what Tanner could do. And then when Zach got in there, they needed to kind of build something that fit more the experience that Zach was bringing to the table. So I know Zach wanted to build from there. All right, let's continue to grow in this offense. Um, So it is tough for Zach to not get these reps. I know he wanted them, and I know that they'd be really beneficial because the teams that BYU is going to open up with at the beginning of the season are very different from what BYU finished with on the back half of the schedule. So I know that that would have been great to have them grow, but I think you got. I I think I saw something. Um, it popped up on my Twitter. Jaron Hall is going to get a lot of these reps. The kid that's playing baseball. Yes. Uh, I'm sure that these other guys. I hate to say it, but what's the red-haired kid's name again? Joe Critchlow. Right. He's probably going to be getting reps. All those guys are going to be getting reps that are going to be divided amongst them, and they wouldn't gotten. So for these guys, it's great. And I know that for the starter. You wish you could have him be the guy, but there's a big issue in college football right now because of the limited amount of time that coaches have to coach players in the offseason. I know the coaches wish that could be out there, but they're getting a great opportunity to develop these younger guys. We don't want to see an injury in the season, but you just never know what type of weird hit, falling on an ankle, a shoulder, uh, you know, a weird hit to the head, and the team says, hey, we don't want to chance it, and they pull the starter out. It's a big issue of developing backups right now because of all these rules. So BYU is going to get a chance to develop some of these backup players that may have to make some plays during the season. John, of, of all the quarterbacks, how could you not remember the quarterback that has red hair? I know. You know what? <laughs> I sat right. Well, I consider myself Auburn. Like, I always right. look okay. for that on right. anything yes. where it says, like, what color is your hair? Black, brown, red. If there's no Auburn, which there usually isn't, I'm Mark Brown. So uh, <laughs> you're not Ginger, but yeah, exactly. I'm not. Yeah, exactly. but you know, so I, I do feel bad because I sat right next to Joe in a quarterback meeting this last year on Thanksgiving Day, and I, you know what, I want to be that guy that remembers everybody's name, but crap, it was just, it was eluding me. Joe, he needs to be challenged. It's all good. He's going to take this, and it's going to be the motivation he needs. You know. Um, <laughs> did, when, when we look at what Zach Wilson can do in, in this next season, you mentioned it. The schedule's very different. Um, what seems to be the difference in, in these independent teams that BYU's fielding versus the teams you played on? Because the schedules are, are very hard, so it's kind of hard to compare a little bit. But what differences do you see, and how can BYU make a, a, a jump forward? Well, I think it's a harder schedule uh, than what we used to play. You know, we had some good caliber teams on there. You know, the, the, the TCU teams were always a good caliber team. The Utah teams were good. Like, we had teams that were, you know, high caliber teams. But, you know, we didn't usually – I mean, we always play Pac-12 opponents to kick off the season or something like that, you know. And, they like, they were good teams. But you see kind of this front-loaded, like, bam, 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 bam. You just got these four in the first five or six games, these quality teams. The schedules I played, you would play, like – a Pac-12 team, some other, like a Boston College team that we played was a really good team my senior year. And then, you know, you play maybe like not as great of a team, and then all of a sudden you go play like a TCU. But nowadays, this BYU team, it's these front-loaded, you go to these premier sites, you open up at like, I think next year, don't they open up like at the new Raiders Stadium? Just kind of these big stage, big games. Uh, And really, 
nowadays in these defenses, I think that what defenses are doing, it's a little bit more difficult on an offense. Do I think that offenses have adapted and they've become smarter in ways that they can get completions? Absolutely. There was no RPO game, you know, these like having a run call with a screen tag to it and the quarterback is making a decision on does he give the run, does he throw the screen, those boost percentages. But I can promise you what defenses are doing now has also gotten better. That's why you can't say it doesn't go across the board. I think both offenses and defenses have gotten smarter. So you have these talented teams that are giving these defensive looks that at times can be a little bit tougher to identify. You have to be really efficient on those things you're doing offensively. So uh, these schedules that BYU put together, their front – like the difficulties in the front of it. And then the back end, I feel like, is we want to make sure we get those wins to make sure we get to a bowl game regardless of what happens at the beginning of the schedule. That's kind of how it's playing out. You better walk into the weight room warmed up already. That's all I have to say. Yeah, it's, it's tough. John, we appreciate the time. You're not a redhead. You have auburn hair. We learned that today. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Okay. Appreciate the time, John. All right, guys. We'll see you. That was John Beck on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Some great insight into uh, kind of what's going on with Zach Wilson and what the plan is with him uh, during the summer and the offseason because John is one of his QB coaches, which is awesome. Yeah, and then I love what John does. I mean, and, and he doesn't just deal with former BYU quarterbacks. There are a lot of people that seek out John Beck for his quarterbacking expertise. It's it's a uh, what a great, what a great play! We were talking, you know, early when we knew he was coming on the show, just reminiscing about all of the plays and oh, yeah. just his skill set. It was Good just times. fantastic. If you were ever named Sports Person of the Year, would it be the only way you would ever introduce yourself from that point forward? Because it would be for me. We'll ask the a certain Sports Person of the Year coming up. Lauren McLean uh, is that person in our hearts, uh, but we're teasing somebody else. She has a list of tasks from a trio from the track team. Are they at? as fast as doing them uh, as they are running. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation right now with Kiki Solano's your place for Cougar sports with a social media twist. Check it out on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and IGTV. Welcome back. Jeremy and Jason and Radio Vision Live on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Let's get you caught up with today's headlines. Men's Hoops, a five seed in the NIT, according to DRating.com. San Francisco and St. Mary's both projected one seeds. That's if they don't get into the NCAA tournament. BYU ends the regular season Saturday, 9 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio against San Diego. Pre-game on the radio at 8 Eastern. For the second week in a row, BYU softball's Riley Jensen earned the West Coast Conference Player of the Week. In five games, Jensen hit 352 with a home run and two RBI. Cougars next play San Diego State in the San Diego Classic this Thursday at 8 Eastern time. Women's golf is in fifth place after two rounds at the Gold Rush Tournament in Seal Beach, California. Sophomore Naomi Suifua is tied for fifth. The Cougars tee off today, 3 Eastern time. BYU men's track and field moved up, to, moved up a spot. I may have said moved down a spot, so I want to make sure I correct myself on that. Moved up a spot to 16th after an overall first-place finish in the 2019 MPSF Championships on Saturday. The women's team fell five spots to 21st despite a BYU record-breaking run from Erica Burke-Jarvis and career best from Lauren Ellsworth-Barnes and Anna Camp in the 800. BYU men's track team has been running over, around, and through competition lately. Over the weekend, as you just mentioned, they won the indoor MPSF 
title, which is awesome. They rewrote a few records in the process. Congratulations. Lauren McClain claims to be uh, as fast as well and apparently <laughs> caught up with three of the best distance runners. And that's saying a lot because BYU has some great uh, runners here. That's right. I literally caught up with them. I chased after them, in found them. In a car? Or... Are you in a golf cart? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't say we don't have to get into specifics yeah, but here, you but, did but I caught up with them. Catch up, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Clayton Young, Connor Mance, and Connor McMillan recently made their mark in the BYU record books in the 5K. Clayton ran in the fastest time in 13 minutes and 34 seconds, and the other two were pretty dang close behind. Guys, I can't even walk up my stairs in 13 minutes. Let alone, the, Let alone uh, run Richard, a 5K. The Richards building stairs either, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. It's insane. So we wanted to see what else they could do in that amount of time. So we gave them some random tasks on campus to see if they could accomplish them. And can they do it? Let's go Between the Lines. BYU Sports Nation presents Between the Lines. All right, guys. At the Iowa State Classic... You took first, second, and third in the BYU record books. Were you guys anticipating doing that before you started the race? You know, I was out there to set a PR, and if I set a PR, I knew I was going to be first all time, but I wasn't anticipating Clayton also setting a big (laughs) PR. What do you guys attribute all that success to, being so good right now? Uh, Yeah, probably just our uh, mentality of uh, being ham and eggers. Ham and eggers? What what does that even mean? We We just get out there and we get the job done best we can. All right, well, all of your times were around 13 minutes, 40 seconds. But we're going to give you 13 minutes and 40 seconds to see how many other tasks you can do. And all these tasks on the list that you have have something to do with you guys, your major, your likes, your family, whatever. Are you guys up for the task? You you ham and eggers, are you ready for this? I'm up for it. Ham and eggers for sure. On your mark, set, go. There you go. Okay. Let's go, uh, number one, find a zoologist. My grandpa was a zoologist, so I'm going to find a zoologist. Is anyone a zoologist? Anybody like animals? I don't know. You better find some. I don't know. This one is hard. Maybe we should move on. Find a student to be the fourth member of your quartet and sing a quick song. Uh, so, yeah, I used to be in the quartet in high school. I guess I got to find somebody. Uh, this guy. This guy. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, what's your name? Conrad. Conrad? Hey, I'm Oh, perfect. His name starts with a C. Yeah. Okay, uh, what do you sing? I sing a men's chorus. Really? Yeah. Oh, this is perfect. <laughs> we got to form a quartet somehow, and... Uh, 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 the fight song? Uh, Rise and shout because there's a uh, wow. and then we'll pitch. hold it out. Yeah, what's the pitch? Mm-hmm. Rise and shout, the cougars are out. You can't keep going. Thanks, Conrad. I appreciate it. Hey, excuse me, ladies. Um, we're trying to complete some challenges. So uh, our friend Connor Mance here is going to serenade you. How's that sound? Great. Sounds great. awesome. Okay. <laughs> I just start singing. Uh, and I'm singing. <laughs> that's it. That's all I got. Get set. Go. And they're off. And Connor Mance is getting dusted by Adam. And they've made it to the truck. And the fast turnaround by Adam. Watch out, people. Oh, Adam. Oh, Adam, how do you feel about your race? Good. Yeah. What do you think of this guy? Nah. <laughs> okay, what's, what's our time at? Uh, six. 50. That's okay. it? Okay. Selfies. We can do three, oh, three selfies with, with your phone. With three different students. Can we get a selfie with you? I guess. Cool. Jeez. Scarf guy. Funny face, everybody. 
One, two, three, 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 three. Explain your favorite chemical. Can I um, explain my favorite chemical to you guys? Fire away. Okay, well, it's uh, it's isopropyl alcohol. I mean, also known as nail polish remover. It's a really nice uh, everyday use organic solvent, good for taking stuff off. Also, like when you do track races, you sometimes have these sticky uh, stickers that they make you like put on your chest, and you rip them off, and like there's residue on your jersey, and so you can use it to take that off. Isopropyl alcohol, people. It's cool stuff. Okay. Okay, what's the next one? We're going to engineer something out of snow. What are we engineering? Uh, let's make a bridge. That's the classic engineer thing to do. I hold it. You dig the hole. Wow, it's really cold. There. It's a bridge. It's a bridge. And what's our timer at, anyway? Our yeah. just went off. Oh, that's, that's it. it. Okay. We're done. That's it. All right, how many did you get? We didn't find a zoologist. Oh, guys. I don't even think that's a major. I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> so you guys are headed to nationals here soon. What goals do you have headed into that race? All-American first team. Ham and egg it. Ham and egg it. All right. Thanks, guys. Go Cougs. Go Cougs. How hard can it be to find a zoologist? Come on, guys. Come on. on they were so close, though. They got really close. That's yeah. somebody that likes to go to the zoo, right? <laughs> Sure, something, sure, something, like something that. along those lines. Uh, yeah, really close. Anyway, good luck to the men's and women's track teams as they head to nationals on March eighth and 9th. Next week on Between the Lines, we are going to get the inside scoop on Gavin Baxter's journey to BYU mm. from him and his family. So follow us on Twitter at BYU underscore BTL using the hashtag BYUBTL. And that's an athletic family. Mom was a trackster. Dad yes, was a walk-on sister. basketball player. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mom ran as well. Exactly. Or, uh, sister ran as well. Yeah, awesome. The the BYU blood runs deep in that family. Yes, it does. Absolutely. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks, Thanks guys. What's coming up, Jason? Uh, coming up, what did Jimmer's teammates get him for his birthday? Find out in today's Rise and Shout. Out. And look, it's Gwen Gustafson, the Aqua Woman, the fastest female swimmer in BYU history, and she's a freshman. She'll join us next. This is BYU Sports Nation. Presented by Tim Daly Ford and the Tim Daly Auto Group. Serving Utah since 1968. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Men's volleyball hosting Stanford on Thursday at the Smith Fieldhouse. You can watch the match live on BYU TV at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Top 10 battle. Get ready for Nine versus eight. Uh, Two of the best uh, four opposites in the country will be in that game, in my opinion. And uh, Gabby Garcia Fernandez and Jalen Jasper. It's going to be awesome. And you are the man to talk volleyball. I'll discuss it verbally. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Our question of the day, what are you least worried about as a BYU football uh, spring ball approaches? Jeff Cole, 49, on the gram. QB position, uh, Z-Dub, Zach Wilson, knows how to play. I think BYU needs to develop a backup. We've seen that that's been a need in independence because of the tough schedule. So uh, Jaron Hall, step right up. Joe Critchlow, step right up. Or as John Beck called him, what's that guy's name again? <laughs> he felt bad that he didn't yeah. remember his name as a fellow redhead. But uh, there you go. Uh, our next guest is uh, the fastest woman in BYU swimming history, which is pretty incredible, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Gwen Gustafson's 22.49 is the fastest 50-yard freestyle in BYU History in in swimming, that's like the hundred yard or the hundred meters, right? The fastest time and uh, event. And Gwen Gustafson now joins us. You're a freshman. You set the record. 
Welcome to Studio B. It's great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. How was your weekend? <laughs> it was busy. It was pretty cold, actually, too. It was like in California, mid-50s right? yeah. outside. But you were inside for the competition. We were the oh, only, it was an outdoor pool? We were the only Division One conference that had our meet outside. In 50-degree yeah. weather. So you, Lots of hand warmers. Wow. Sure. Okay, okay. So let's break that down. Because you set the, the uh, 50 free record, the 22-49, in an outdoor pool in 50-degree weather mm-hmm. in February. So did that... Pl- does that play into how you swim at all, kind of body temperature going in and the weather? Yeah, especially for sprinting, it makes it really difficult to, like, get up and go when you have, like, 20 seconds to race if you're not warm. So you need to wear, like, I wore two pairs of sweatpants, two jackets and a parka, hand warmers in my shoes and in my pockets, <laughs> a hat, two hoodies. It was a lot. So you had to shed all of that, like, moments before? Mm-hmm. Okay. So are you saying you can go faster when the conditions might be more ideal? Is that what you're telling me? I hope so. That's awesome. I guess we'll see next and year. And you're a freshman. You're just <laughs> yeah, getting started. Yeah. That's what I wanted to ask you. You're doing all these things. Fastest 50 free in BYU. You're fastest or second fastest 100 free at BYU. You're just a freshman. What does this mean to you? Um... It makes me hopeful for the next three years, I guess. It's exciting. Uh, we had a really good freshman class this year, and we have a super good class of recruits coming next year. So hopefully we're just on the rise. We should mention that you did win the MPSF in those events as well, so congratulations. Thank you. Well, what was it like to uh, take the titles for those events? It was so exciting. I wasn't expecting it, but it's a good uh, accomplishment, I guess. Had, had you... <laughs> it makes me excited for the next three years. Absolutely, and we're stoked as well. Had you swam this fast before? Like, did you expect to kind of get near these numbers? I had n- no expectation of going this fast, and it's a huge credit to my coaches because it's really hard to drop as much time in, like, sprinting especially, and mm-hmm. I guess just, like, the specialized training that we've been doing, and huge shout-out to Jordan and Sherry. <laughs> what was your best in terms of the 50? What was your best before this? Before this season, I was at 23-1, and so this season, I've dropped like seven tenths. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the specialized training things that you've done to drop your time? We do this thing called USRPT, which is like you train like super short. So we just do 25s, which is just down the pool, just like a ton of times on like a short interval to like build up your endurance, as much endurance as you need for sprinting, which is like hardly any, but yeah. Without, doing, without making the turn, the flip mm-hmm. at the end, yeah. right? Um, this is year one as well, I believe, of the new pool, right, for the team. Mm-hmm. So how has that helped the team this season? It's beautiful. I love it. And especially it's helped a lot since last year they had to travel around a ton. You came now right we time. have like a home base. Yeah. 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 Speaking of outdoor swimming, they, they had to <laughs> do some, yeah. reality some was. different uh, yeah. Yeah, things while it was being constructed. All right. So how long have you been swimming? Like, how did you get into swimming as a, a sport competitively? Um, I started club swimming when I was five. So 14 years-ish. Um, I moved to Arizona, and it was, like, pretty much the only sport that I could do outside without, like, dying. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, everyone's got a pool in Arizona, yeah. too. You can, uh, when, when did you move to Arizona? I moved from Connecticut to Arizona in 2005 when I was five. Okay, so, so, we, <laughs> yeah. have, so we have to ask this question. Your bio says you were the Wisconsin Sportswoman of the Year. First of all, please tell me you introduce yourself with that every time. Hi, I'm Wayne Gustafson, Sportswoman of the Year from Wisconsin. Oh like, like, explain what that is. Explain how that happened. I how I got from Arizona to Wisconsin. Well, like, like where the Probably Wisconsin in a plane or a car. Was, yes. Yeah. I don't know. Someone was on something when they nominated me for that. But was it, it was a high a school honor. award? I assume. Yeah. Okay. And actually, yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Okay. Great. We're talking to Gwen Gustafson, BYU freshman <laughs> swimmer. Uh, 
your major is listed as food science and biotechnology. What yeah. is that? So I've actually I've switched. So the biotechnology is part of the genetics, genomics, and biotechnology major. Oh yeah, yes, yeah. we're following <laughs> everything uh-huh. you're saying uh-huh. right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the major that I'm decided to focus on. I've dropped the food science, but I want. I'm taking the plant biotechnology track, so I want to like genetically modify fruits and vegetables to like make them taste better. Or, and yeah, wow, look different or something. She's breaking records. She's changing fruits sports and vegetables. Of the year. Yeah, she's sport, she's sportswoman of the year yeah, what from a, Wisconsin. What, what aren't you doing? Yeah, this is incredible. In Arizona, did, did you take any pride over the BYU win over Wisconsin since you were oh, lived in Wisconsin? That was tough for me. Oh, okay. But <laughs> I was pretty You're confident that Wisconsin was going to win. I wore my Wisconsin shirt that day, and I haven't lived it down. <laughs> <laughs> As that was our rest today. <laughs> well, now, you were telling us you're uh, you're big Green Bay Packers fan. Mm-hmm. You're you're big Milwaukee Bucks fan. I love the Bucks. So, like, what uh, did you grow up going to to those games? Like, what? So I've I was born in Connecticut. Then I moved to like Arizona, Illinois. I lived in Shanghai, China for a couple of years, and then Wisconsin for five years. That's the longest I've ever lived anywhere. So I just say I'm from Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. What? Why did you move so much? My dad's job. Dad's job. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Shanghai. Yeah. What was that like? Go Sharks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sharks. Did you hang out with Jimmer? You got a jersey I wish. Yeah. I think I came, like, the year he went there, I moved to Wisconsin. Oh, okay. So it's been a couple years. But yeah. what, what did you take from that experience that's maybe helped you now that you're kind of on your own here at BYU? Um, it's definitely helped me, like, learn skills to, like, develop friendships and, like, get to know, like, new people and fit into lots of different groups. But also just, like, having tons of different coaches on different clubs, it's helped me be, like, more versatile and open to different types of coaching for sure what about the food thumbs up thumbs down it's definitely not panda <laughs> but I, would ho- I would hope it's, not. it's good it's interesting <laughs> you, not may, big... <laughs> you may have just given us the title of our show today it's not panda, it's not panda. Yeah. can we have you sign our flag back here oh yeah for sure gwen you're like the most <laughs> interesting person that's walked through the door in a long time here <laughs> gwen gustafson wow there's a lot to digest here i'm gonna have to watch that back and be like Wait, let's list all the interesting things we just learned. And we're going to have to go have lunch at Panda now. Yes, we are. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> for exactly. sure. Thanks for the time. And, Thank uh, you so much uh, for Sorry, what's me. next for you? Um, hopefully qualifying for Olympic trials in 2020. Okay. Good yeah, luck. Thank you so much. Good luck. <laughs> coming up, two Cougars get player and specialist of the week honors. That's coming up in the Cougar Whip Round. And speaking of Shanghai, Jimmer celebrates his 30th birthday with his teammates with a Chinese tradition. Or is it? This is BYU Sports Nation. <laughs> Thanks to today's guest, John Beck, and then Gwen Gustafson. She was awesome. She was great. Sorry to Dennis Spitta. No time for you when we have Gwen Gustafson. If you missed any of today's show, and I highly recommend going back and re-watching and or listening, you can download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Men's basketball. Men's hoops is a five seed currently in the NIT that, according to DRating.com, San Francisco and St. Mary's are both projected one seeds. Now, BYU ends the regular season Saturday at 9 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio against San Diego. Softball. For the second week in a row, BYU softball's Riley Jensen earned the West Coast Conference Player of the Week in five games. Jensen hit 352 with a homer and two RBIs. Golf. Women's golf is in fifth place after two rounds at the Gold Rush Tournament in Seal Beach, California. Sophomore Naomi Soifua is tied for fifth. The Cougars tee off today at 3 Eastern time. 
Track and field. The men's team moved up a spot to 16th after winning the MPSF championship. The women's team fell five spots to 21st, but still ranked in the top 25. Despite a BYU record-breaking run from Erica Burke-Jarvis and career best from Lauren Ellsworth-Barnes and Anna Camp in the 800. Gymnastics. Shannon Evans claimed the MRGC Floor Specialist of the Week following a 9.925 versus Southern Utah. She now has seven straight weekly specialist honors. Volleyball. The Cougars remain number nine in the latest AVCA coaches poll, number 10 in the off the block media poll. Women's basketball. Received eight votes in this week's AP Top 25 poll following their win over San Diego. They take on the Dons this Thursday night at the Marriott Center at 9 p.m. Eastern. The women can lock up the two seed with yes, a they couple can. of victories. Yes, they and can. And if they win one, I believe uh, they may even have the tiebreaker, if I understand it correctly. Okay, today's rise and shout out. Uh, mine goes to Jimmer Fredette, who turned 30 yesterday. Happy birthday to Jimmer. His teammates made him a cake, which is apparently a Chinese tradition, according to Jimmer on Instagram. But the uh, tradition isn't just the cake, it's that you get the cake in the face. So happy 30th birthday to his Jimmerness, who took one for the team and, quote, said, but it's delicious cake, end quote. Happy 30th birthday to James Taft. My rise and shout out is going to go to Jaron Hall. Not only did he pick up his first hit as a member of the BYU baseball team this past weekend in Texas, on Monday, beginning reps as a BYU quarterback. Pretty good time to be Jaron Hall. It's always good to be a quarterback at BYU, Jason. (laughs) Uh, Our question of the day, what are you least worried about as BYU football spring ball approaches? Kyle Nelson on Facebook. Teams learning offense and defensive schemes. We don't have almost all of our coaches back. Our key positions have returning players, and we showed improvement over the season last year. Finally, some stability for a team in the offseason, and that's, uh, that's a good factor, right? At Shea Lauren C. on Twitter. I'm least worried about head coach. Nobody reps the Y like Kalani Satake. BYU's lucky to have him. At Nate Dunno 2 on Twitter. Our kicking is usually solid. We have Southam and the other guy coming back from his mission. His name's Jake Goldroy. <laughs> two solid kickers guy. right there. I think it's good. We could call them the other guys. We should make a movie movie about that. Maybe Will Ferrell. It's already taken. Okay. (laughs) The elite Mark Wahlberg in that too. Uh, Yes. Yes. Well, it's yeah. The rock and Samuel Jackson are in it as well. That is true. The elite voice of the day is presented by Sundance mountain resort celebrating 50 years. Andrew Garrett on Facebook, who the starting QB will be after last year's craziness. It's nice not to have that worry, which is true. There's so much stability. And I think, uh, investment you have a face of the program zach wilson's the guy but our question is kind of is jaron hall the number two is the incumbent guy what will we see from him in spring ball and you've been watching him play baseball like you mentioned yeah there's there's a lot going on and that's those are the storylines and a lot of the exciting things that uh, over the next couple weeks with spring football getting underway we'll be able to pay attention to starts monday it starts it starts monday this is such a great time of the year you mentioned yesterday the crossover such a great time for crossover sports conversation continuing 24 7 on twitter instagram and facebook use the hashtag byusn the show always on demand at byusn.com the audio podcast is on itunes google play and the tune in app for jason i am jerem shout out to apana nakayama my neighbor yeah i love that guy BYU Sports Nation back at it tomorrow at noon Eastern time. And tonight, BYU Basketball Dave Rose at 8 Eastern. See ya.